Welcome to Old Walls House. It's your main man and host, Old Walls, and here we are for episode two. We're going to be covering the NFL wildcard opening weekend. What a great weekend that was. Uh, touch on the Sony Open. We got some Flyers talk, uh, and then a little bit of other things that we're going to dive into. Um, but just a couple things before we get really started and rolling. Um, a little housekeeping. I just want to thank everybody for who turned into the first episode. Just a little preview there. Um, it was really cool to get the feedback that I got. So thank you very much. Um, hope you're going to enjoy what we're doing going forward here. So very excited. Um, and if I could just ask one thing from you guys, uh, just rate, review, comment, subscribe, um, whatever it is that, that helps put things in there um, for us. So if you can do that, that'd be awesome. And once again, thank you so much. Um, for for tuning in all right and now let's get into it um starting with the wild card weekend from the nfl um i think there's only one place we can start the, this thing with and and that's going to be the cowboys and the 49ers um and we're going to start at the end of that game uh i don't think we can avoid that um you know it, we're coming down to the wire cowboys down seven 20 seconds left QB, draw, sneak, whatever you want to call it. Dak runs it up the middle of the field. Obviously, the Niners are playing the edges, uh, preventing the out passes, the quick passes to get out of bounds. Um, middle of the field's wide open. Dak hammers it right up the middle, gains you know, 15, 20 yards, whatever it was exactly. Um, <clears throat> slides. Doesn't leave himself a lot of time. They can't get the playoff. And game over, 49ers win. Um, so, I mean, that's obviously the story of the day. That's what everybody's talking about. Uh, what was he thinking? What was the play call? Why would they do that? Um, you know, you got to touch on a couple other things there. Um, Jason Wild actually put out a good tweet about it, um, saying that basically, hey, the play call is one thing, but you got to be able to execute handing the ball to the ref. The ref has to touch it. Um, you know, obviously the ref was late coming in and runs into Dak and gets caught up, and that, you know, costs him a second. But um, in a situation like that, I think it, it is a good point that the ref needs to touch the ball to put it in play. Um, and Dak gives the ball to his center and not the ref. So, I mean, you, you do have to put a little blame there that you got to be thinking and you got to be going. But then the next thing is the play call, you know. What are we thinking? They've just been kind of moving it up the up the field with the the out patterns. Granted, the Niners did sh shift heavily to cover the outside after they'd gotten kind of torched for the last couple plays. Um, but, you know, is that the play call you really want to run? Do you want to take a couple shots at it from the 40? Um, that's a long pass. I mean, the thought process of taking, you know, a shot from the 25 sure as hell makes a lot more sense, but... Man, the execution was poor, uh, and, you know, the play call was, it was questionable. I mean, hey, if it works, Kellen Moore is a genius, right? But, you know, I think you got to, you know, if you go from the 40 and you get to the 25, that's one thing. But, hey, maybe just cut it off, slide at the 30, save yourself a couple seconds, and then, hell, make sure you hand that ball to the ref. But, yeah, that's what everyone's going to be talking about. 
we got a couple of calls on the subject or voice messages, whatever you want to call them. Um, we're going to get to those, but let's kind of walk back this game a little bit, you know, get back to the beginning. Um, Cause at the start of the game, the 49ers looked like world beaters. I mean, right out of the gate, drive it right down the Cowboys throat. I'm sitting there as a Packer fan thinking to myself, oh shit, these guys are going to blow through the Cowboys. They're going to come to Lambeau next week and just do the exact same thing. So man, did they come out of the gate hot. Um, and then uh, this is, this is something I'm, I'm watching the game. It's 940 left in the second quarter. Um, the 49ers are up 10 at the time and they have a fourth and one. Um, and they opted to kick the field goal. Um, puts them up 13. You know, obviously it all works out, but you know, it just felt like pick up that fourth down and then you bury them. If you score that touchdown, then it's 17, nothing instead of 13, you've made it a, you know, a three score game. Uh, instead of just a two where you can lose you lose the lead on the second score. So um, I thought that was really their moment to really just bury them. Um, and, and from that point, they didn't let them back into it yet, but they didn't really, you know, step on their throat and put them out of their misery. The Cowboys obviously started to climb back into it a little later. Um, but I just, I just really thought as I was watching that, I was like, you got all the momentum in the world. And, and they did run out and, and line up like they were going to go for it. It looked like they probably didn't get the look they wanted. Um, they came off and then sent the field goal team in. But, man, I just thought the way they were playing, that they could have picked that up and just really ended the game. Um, and then, you know, you get into the later end of the game, you know, back into the second half where the, the Cowboys have scored. Um, <clears throat> and so there's two separate possessions where the, where the Niners could have kind of iced it. First, um, it was a third and five, and I think there was about three minutes and 40 seconds, something like that maybe, um, maybe three minutes, 20 seconds, somewhere right around there, under four minutes, um, and it was third and five, and Lane Vander Esch made an incredible tackle. I think it was on Debo Samuel, but if it wasn't, forgive me. Vander Esch made a great tackle to save the first down, Make it fourth down. Make the Niners punt. Cowboys then went down and scored. I mean, that was a good place ball. He wasn't over, you know, the first down marker like you hope. But he caught it right at it. And it was like, catch, take one step, dive forward. You've seen that a hundred times. And Van Der Esch just wrapped him up and drove him right down and stopped it. And I just, that, that was like the play. Had the Cowboys won, that would have been like the play of the game for the Cowboys. Um, and I just wanted to mention that because I, I watched it. I was like, damn, that's an important moment right there. Um, and it did. It kept them alive. So, And then the next thing, I mean, with the, the fourth and inches with 40 seconds left, and the 49ers are motioning Trent Williams. It's just like it seemed like they were trying to do too much. Like, just, you know. Come with what you know. Just come with what you know. You got you just bury it right up the middle. Jimmy G comes from that Tom Brady school of QB sneak. Like, don't be fancy. Don't outthink yourself. Just power it through. And uh, you know, so they get the false start and then they have to punt and it it gives the Cowboys that chance to 
you know, let Dak sneak it up the middle from 40 yards out with no timeouts um, and run it up the middle of the field and lose. So, um, and hey, the big thing is, you know, you can never blame one single play as the reason you lost. Like, the Cowboys had their chances. They didn't execute. I know it's come out that uh, uh, Zeke had a torn PCL and was playing on it. So, there's that, but... Man, you don't want to leave yourself in the category of needing a Hail Mary to win. Um, and, you know, as a Packer fan, I've seen seen plenty of those. I mean, it's worked out for Packers more often than other teams, but you don't want to leave yourself in that situation. So you got to avoid it. But, I mean, it's going to come back to it. I mean, it's going to be the whole talk of the offseason for the Cowboys. Is who's to blame? Because, I mean, there's blame to go around and – People are going to want to put it on somebody. Um, is it Kellen Moore because he made the play call? Um, you know, he's calling the plays, but is it Mike McCarthy? Like, it comes, you know, it comes through him. Like, he's the head coach. The buck stops there, right? Um, is it on Dak? Like, like I mentioned earlier, like, is it on Dak for not just sliding a couple few yards earlier um, and giving that ball to the ref? Is it on the center? Like, the center took the ball from Dak and just went right into it. The center should know. He's done that a hundred times. He's seen the ref come in a hundred, a thousand times. He's seen the ref have to come in and touch the ball and set it. Like, he should know. Um, So, I mean, I think there's plenty of blame to be had. And, And again, like I said, if this works, I mean, what a genius call by Kellen Moore. Mike McCarthy really thinking outside the box, exploiting the weaknesses. So... I mean, it happened. I think it was, a you know, it's the Cowboys. It's in the playoffs. So it's, you know, it's magnified. But it wasn't an awful idea. I don't want, I wouldn't sit here and crucify someone saying it was such a terrible play idea. Um, the execution was just bad. And, you know, there, there were chances that they could have won. I mean, there was a moment in the second, at the end of the second quarter, where it looked like the Cowboys may score, and they could get the ball coming out and score again. And they didn't, but I mean, basically, you can't just let it get down to the point where you're relying on a uh, a hail mary. So, um, I did, like I said, mention we do have a couple of voice messages, um, one from an anonymous caller and one from a good friend of mine, MJ, um, both Cowboys fans, and then we did have one write-in question as well. Um, we're going to play the voice messages, we're going to play the measured response from MJ, and then the anonymous caller response will come second, and uh, then we'll kind of come back and unpack those and see what we have to say about that, and we'll touch on the uh, the write-in message we received as well. So, let's go to those calls. Hey, O'Walls, MJ here, uh, longtime Cowboys fan, I figured you'd be talking about the playoff games on the new podcast, and look forward to... Uh, uh, hearing your thoughts about some things, but um, you know, as you know, Mike McCarthy, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, long time for the Green Bay Packers, and you know, it's it's pretty evident that uh, McCarthy was protected by a top five quarterback of all time, and Aaron Rodgers for a long time. You know, being able to win a Super Bowl with him because um, it's obviously showing that he's very average, and there's a lot of things the Cowboys need to work on, but I think it kind of starts right there. And you can blame Jerry Jones and all that stuff, but at the same time, you know, there's other franchises like the 49ers that hire a good coach and good things are happening for them, even with some average talent. 
Um, so looking forward to hearing your thoughts, and uh, thanks again for letting me kind of blow off some steam with the Mike McCarthy thing. Thanks. Mike McCarthy is the worst head coach of all time. How can you agree to run a quarterback sneak from the 40-yard line with no timeouts after you pick up 20 yards in 10 seconds with a quarterback who doesn't even want to run? Are you kidding me? Jesus. No wonder Green Bay wanted to get rid of him. Hire a young, smart, brilliant guy. What are you doing? So those were two uh, different approaches, I think, to the same same thought. Well, MJ had a little bit more measured response, cited a little bit of the Packers and being, you know, McCarthy being covered up by Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he was there for a couple of years with Favre. He did help kind of revitalize Favre a little bit. Favre had gone through a couple very bad years and had one of his best years ever with McCarthy. But I think the point stands there that he's had those two great quarterbacks that kind of helped him uh, through through his time with Green Bay. There were obviously issues at the end of his tenure. Him and Rodgers were, were not getting along. Can't say that's the most surprising thing in the world. Uh, he was also, you know, criticized for the NFC title game when the Packers and Seahawks played out, out in Seattle and the Packers weren't going for it down on the goal line. And there have been plenty of time management questions around McCarthy. So, so there's that, there's that aspect. Uh, the second caller, the anonymous guy, he, uh, he comes at a little more passion, maybe. Passion might not be the right word, but he was fired up. Uh, I love the energy. He's he's going Mike McCarthy, worst coach ever. That may be a bit of a stretch. I didn't think it was a great hire for the pa- for the Cowboys, rather, to hire him. Um, who knows? Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just the Cowboys or are the Cowboys anymore. Uh, they find ways to lose playoff games and in crazy ways. You know, you have the Dak, Dak, and uh, uh, the the fir- Dak's first year when the Cow- Packers throw the hail mary. Uh, another Packers playoff loss for the Cowboys was Dez. Did Dez catch it? He probably did catch it, by the way. But you know, maybe that's just what it is for the Cowboys. Maybe there, maybe there isn't a coach. But he, the the other caller brought up a point. The Packers went out and got a young, you know, forward-thinking, young, new-style head coach out of the the Kyle Shanahan mold. Um, So, you know, there's thoughts on that. Uh, I think that second caller would be good with firing McCarthy straight to the moon. I don't think Kellen Moore can get totally excused of this either. Obviously, the buck stops with McCarthy, but you got to look at Kellen Moore and think, you know, he did that. Like, he was making the calls. Hey, unless, unless McCarthy said, hey, we're doing this. But I wouldn't let Kellen Moore escape totally scot-free. And as I mentioned, I think Dak has to shoulder some of the blame, too. So, so yeah. And our one write-in message was, are the Cowboys fans the worst fans of all time? And I think of those two examples, the second example is what leads to that question, 
happening. And, you know, Cowboys fans are very vocal. Uh, there's lots of them. They're dubbed, you know, America's team. I think that's almost ironic anymore. But I don't know if they're the worst. I mean, there are Seahawks fans in the world, Bears fans. Uh, in a different sport, there are Chicago Cubs fans. So maybe not the worst ever, but they're not the greatest. But again, there's always two types of fans. You have MJ being measured and, and trying to think, you know, sensibly. And then you have our other caller just screaming at the top of his lungs. So so maybe not the worst ever. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll kind of put a fork in the in the Cowboys and Niners. Uh, the Niners are going to come back later in the episode when we talk about the divisional matchup. So let's uh, move on to our next game we're going to talk about. So the next game in the list to talk about, we're going to talk Bengals-Raiders. The first playoff win for the Cincinnati Bengals in 31 years. That was uh, 1991. I was not yet born, so I would guess there are a large percentage of players on the Bengals that were not yet born. Joe Burrow was not. So what a win for the Cincinnati Bengals. Not been a lot of a lot of success for that franchise, but now they've uh, they've got a playoff win to hang their hat on. Uh, they get it through a couple. There was a questionable call at the kind of towards the end of the first half. We'll call it the phantom whistle, where Joe Burrow rolled out through the touchdown to the back of the end zone. As the ball's in the air, you can kind of hear the whistle. You know. Go through. You, you see, you do see the Raiders player kind of pull up a little bit. Who knows if he was just pulling up because he saw that he was beat, or if he heard the whistle. Uh, Joe Burrow was quoted in saying, and I believe it was a post game press conference that he didn't hear the whistle. Who knows if he he's just saying that if he actually didn't hear it. I, I'm not inclined to think he's he's lying about that. I mean. A lot of noise going on in a full NFL stadium during a playoff game. Wouldn't be crazy for him to say that he didn't hear it. So, big win for the Bengals. Uh, kind of coming back to a theme I talked about a little bit with the uh, the Niners not going for it when I thought they could have put the game away. The Bengals had a chance fourth and inches with about seven minutes left in the game, and they didn't go for it. They were up 23-16, to 16, so they were up a full touchdown. And I just felt like that was a moment where they could have put the game away and they settled for the field goal and, you know, allowed the Raiders to hang around. But I, I, I would have liked to see them go for it. I know in this era of analytics, we're seeing teams go for it on fourth down more and more. But you wonder if they get a little bit gun-shy as the games get a little tighter and mean more. But I just would have liked to see him go for it. So nothing crazy happened in this game other than that kind of little officiating snafu. But uh, kind of my one takeaway from this, and we saw Joe Burrow um, a little bit last year before he got injured. But after seeing him this year, and, you know, he played very well in the playoff game here, is he the real deal? I mean, I, I think you have to consider it that he's going to be, I mean, I think you have to more than consider that he's going to be the franchise quarterback for Cincinnati for the foreseeable future, which is something they haven't had since they had Carson Palmer. 
So, I mean, that is a huge thing for Cincinnati. But I, I think you really have to talk about, is Joe Burrow going to become, you know, an, an upper echelon NFL quarterback? And if you look at his last few years, I mean, last year he gets hurt, obviously, but he was playing okay. He's had a very good year this year, has come on late very strong. He had those two, you know, huge passing games where he was throwing it to Jamar Chase, it felt like, every time, and they were going for 50. Um but before that, you know, before his last year in the NCAA, he broke every passing record there was. Undefeated year with LSU, they won a national title. I mean, he's had two pretty good, two pretty good seasons out of the last three, with one kind of cut short by injury. So I think he's definitely someone we're going to need to really keep our eye on going forward. I don't think this is you know, you know, breaking news or anything like that. But I, I just I, I'm watching him and. He, he made a couple throws when I I just thought to myself, holy shit, those are top-level throws. Uh, the one I'm thinking of, I can't remember where it was in the game. He had a tight end or a receiver kind of coming up the up the seam in the middle of the field. He had a linebacker on him, outmatched. And he could kind of tell the linebacker was ever going to turn his head. And he put one right across that linebacker's ear hole and just delivered a perfect ball. And I was just like, that's a throw that you see the Brady's, Rodgers, you know, that that type of quarterback. That's the kind of throw you see them make. I mean, that's a throw that takes takes some balls and it takes some ability. So I think going forward, we're going to have to start paying attention to Joe Burrow as an upper echelon quarterback. So uh, that's all we got for Bengals Raiders. On to the Bills and the Patriots. And we're talking just an absolute beat down by the Buffalo Bills on the New England Patriots. There's there's not a whole lot to say here. Just crushed them. Destroyed them. Beat down. Annihilation. Whatever you want to call it. It could not have gone better for the Buffalo Bills than it did in that game. They come out. They score on the first drive. As the Patriots come back, they drive it down the field, and Micah Hyde has an incredible interception in the in the uh, end zone. After that, the Bills scored again because they scored on every possession. They did not kick a field goal. They did not punt. They did not see fourth down. They scored on every possession except for the knees at the end of the game. But I don't. We're gonna just describe that. They scored in every possession. So after that, touchdown by the Bills to start. Interception by Micah Hyde in the end zone to cut off the Patriots drive. Touchdown Bills. Patriots punt. Touchdown Bills. And it's over. Like that was it. The Patriots punted on their next two possessions after the interception and kicked a field goal on the third. And then the game goes to halftime, and it's all over. It, there was nothing left. It, it was it was academic at that point. The Bills looked incredible. The Patriots just, they're not there yet. I mean, Mac Jones is just a rookie. He had some very good moments. He had some moments where they completely went away from him, like that earlier Patriots-Bills game where he only threw it three times. So we'll have to see what Billy B can cook up in, uh, in New England going forward. Um, but I think last night proved that or not, sorry, not last night, Saturday night proved that they're just not there yet. Um, the Bills have their chance. They they set themselves up 
<clears throat> excuse me, they set themselves up to, you know, be ready to beat the Chiefs. So we'll see if uh, if they can if they can pull it off here in the playoffs, and uh, we'll be talking about that matchup moving forward here. So that's all for Bills Pats. Sorry if anybody's a Bills or Pats fans, but I don't have a lot to say on that absolute beatdown. We move now to the Bucks and the Eagles. Tom, terrific Tom Brady. He's at it again. The Bucks come into this game without forty nine percent of their offense playing. Uh, they were missing uh, Fournette. Godwin, Ronald Jones to injuries, and Antonio Brown because, you know, Antonio Brown got Antonio Brown, y'all. So those four are out. Does it matter? No. Tom Brady, he delivers. They they said before the game, Bruce Arians said, we're going to score. We don't know who it's going to be, but we're going to score. Mike Evans was awesome. Uh, I joked talking to the roommate. I've always said that Tom Brady went to the Buccaneers and they got lots of weapons. You forget about how many they have. When O.J. Howard appears out of nowhere, and you think to yourself, oh yeah, he's a pretty good player, and he was the you know 17th option for him, but Bucks showed that they're still, they're still good. Uh, the Eagles, they're just not there yet. Kind of same thing as the Pats. They're kind of still trying to rebuild themselves, figure out who they are, what they're doing. Is Hurts going to be the future for the Eagles? I don't know. This game, this game finished 31-15, but it was an absolute beatdown. I mean, it looked like going into the fourth quarter, it was questionable if Tom Brady was going back into the game. The Eagles scored a couple late touchdowns to, to make it seem a little closer, but, you know, 14 in the first from the Bucs, another three in the second, 14 more in the third. This game was never close. So I, I know the Gordon brothers are probably, you know, somewhere crying away and, you know, nursing a beer to, to get over this, but... Uh, the Eagles just aren't ready. They got killed by penalties. Um, Gronk, Gronk is still is still pretty good when Tom Brady's flipping him the ball. So they're obviously the best quarterback tight end tandem that's ever ever graced the football field. So the the Bucks are, are still a threat even without, like I said, forty nine percent of their offense. So we'll be uh, we'll be interested to see who they're going to match up against. The Rams and Cards are playing here almost as we speak. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see that matchup. Either one of them is going to be very good. Uh, hard not to think the Bucks will be favored, but we'll circle back to that one later. And we'll move on to our next game. The next game being the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Kansas City Chiefs. Steelers, uh, after a you know, first quarter with no scores, come out, get that first score of the game, that defensive touchdown. From T.J. Watt, looked like they may be able to hang around, and then you know the Chiefs do as the Chiefs can sometimes do, and they just found that that other gear that they have, uh, put twenty one up in the second quarter, and were able to kind of be pretty comfortable for the rest of the game, and like no team I think in the NFL, maybe the Bucks before, but I don't know that they still can with the losses of all those players. The Chiefs just have another gear that they can go to that you have to wonder if anybody else can keep up with. It, it kind of comes and goes, unfortunately, for the Chiefs. But when it comes and, and they're on, that gear is on a different level than everybody else in the NFL. Their defense isn't always the, the most sound. And like I said, that it comes and goes. But, man, when it's on, it is on. Travis Kelsey... Uh, recorded his seventh 
100-yard receiving game in the playoffs. He is now second only to Jerry Rice in that category. Obviously, the NFL's you know evolving, but to have 700-yard games and still have a, a good bit of your career left uh, ahead of you with a team that looks like it's going to keep going to the playoffs, with one of the best quarterbacks in the league, maybe the most talented quarterback in the league, pretty hard to argue that one. If he can stay healthy, it's it's hard to believe he wouldn't have another 200-yard uh, receiving games in the playoffs. I mean, heck, he could have two more this year, and I wouldn't it wouldn't blow my mind. So, very very good player, Travis Kelsey. He was awesome for me this year, my fantasy team, until he had COVID and he couldn't play, and then my team fell apart. But that's neither here nor there. And uh, as for the Steelers, I just want to touch on one thing. I mean, Big Ben, you know, as a person, take him or leave him, whatever. But as a quarterback. He obviously doesn't have it anymore, but for this generation, he was incredible. He was one of the best quarterbacks, and I never thought he got enough credit when he had Antonio Brown. I mean, they'd always rave about the catches Antonio Brown was making. What a catch, what a catch. And you were forgetting that Big Ben was dropping these dimes into him. Just incredible throws setting up uh, A.B. and his other receivers um, that came through Pittsburgh. And if you go back, I mean, in the 05 Super Bowl that they won, I mean, he was a game manager. You know, he wasn't the the dude. But, I mean, after that, I mean, he was a top, you know, top four or five quarterback throughout his whole generation. Um, and if you, were, if you were picking a quarterback to start your team around in that time frame, there weren't many that were getting picked ahead of him. You know, Peyton, Brady, Rodgers, I mean, after that, the, the list of people you'd pick ahead of him, you're, you're getting into some arguments. So he, he kind of went out with a whimper, and you can tell it just wasn't – he wasn't the same. But, man, he was he was one of the best of this generation. He was an incredible player. And sometimes that gets forgotten as players kind of limp their way to the finish line. So it was, it was cool to watch him play in the field, as I said. His off-the-field annex, whatever they are, true or not, leave them wherever, but on the field, I mean, he was one of the best of the generation. So, so now the divisional round matchups, uh, what we're looking at next week on Saturday in the early game, we have Bengals at the Titans, Titans minus three and a half. I don't know what to think about that game on who's going to win. Uh, if I had a gun to my head, I would say the Titans, but, man, don't count the Bengals out. I mean, I just raved about Joey Burrow not long ago. If I were to have to place a bet on that, I'd take the points. The three and a half gets you. I, I like that little hook there to, to keep you. You could definitely end up taking the Titans and get, getting hooked. See them winning by a field goal, no doubt. So that should be a fun game. Looking forward to it. Again, I favor the Titans to win. If I had to bet on the game, I'm taking Bengals plus three and a half. Let's see, uh, let's see if my talk about Joe Burrow being the real deal comes through in the divisional round next week. In the night game on Saturday night, the San Francisco 49ers and yours truly's Green Bay Packers. Probably going to be a bit chilly up in Green Bay. Let's find that out, see what the weather report is. Packers given five and a half. 
like I said, early in the 49ers-Cowboys game, I'm texting a, a buddy telling, man, the 49ers are going to smoke us next week. This isn't going to be good. As the game wore on, I didn't, I didn't feel that as much. So we'll see. We'll see what's going to come of it. Saturday in Green Bay, got a high of 22, a low of 2. So by game time, it's going to be it's going to be down under 18, I believe it says. So it'll be a, it'll be chilly, not not the frozen frozen tundra, but it's going to be cold. Packers fans are going to be pumped, I'd imagine. First uh first home playoff game with, you know, unlimited seating restrictions in a couple of years. We'll see. I I'm a I've seen this Packers team look great this year. I've seen them look like trash. You, you just got to wonder if they're, you know, they're getting a ton of people back. Bakhtiari's coming back. Myers. Uh, Jerry Alexander's possible to play. Zadarius Smith, possibly. You, you just got to wonder if, if this is going to be the year they're going to put it all together and, and get to the playoffs. Uh, I can tell you if I'm betting the game, I'm, I'm taking the points again, taking the Niners. You know, I've been told by my friends that I always tell them to bet against the Packers and that it never really works out when I tell them that. But five and a half is a lot. I think the Niners still look good enough. I don't think Dallas is a bad team, obviously. Won their division in the playoffs. I, I, I think the Niners keep it close. I hope the Packers win. I think they win, but who knows. So on to Sunday. Uh, as you know, the Rams and Cards game is not over. So the winner of that will play at Tampa Bay. I believe that's the earlier game. And then the second game is the Bills at the Chiefs. Chiefs two-and-a-half-point favorites. That game is a toss-up. I think that's going to be a great game. Hard to think of two teams that can get as hot. I mean, if there's any team, I mean, the, the Bills just showed they can get really hot and they can really put it on you. And that may be what they need to keep up with the Chiefs. So we'll see if they've got, you know, the gas tank to stay with them. Really excited. That game should be a lot of fun. I lean Bills. Screw it. Nobody circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. I'll take the Bills in that game to uh, to move on to the AFC Conference Championship. Just a couple other NFL thoughts uh, from the weekend. Tony Romo's awesome. I love Tony Romo on commentary. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think he's great. And I saw this, this screenshot going into the weekend. Postseason wins by quarterback. Obviously, Tom Brady has the most. He has 34 postseason wins. 34. That's two whole seasons worth of wins in the postseason. Next, you have Big Ben with 13. Rodgers with 11, Super Bowl champs there. And then Patrick Mahomes, the only other Super Bowl champ, with six. Then you got Josh Allen has two. Jimmy G had two. Tannehill has two. Prescott has one. Stafford, Carr, Murray, Hurts, Burrow, Mac Jones, zero. And it's just another incredible stat for Tom Brady. And he's going to keep doing things like this as he keeps playing. I mean, he's 44 years old. He's going to play till 45, you'd have to imagine. He had a great year. MVP candidate. I just don't – you're just going to keep seeing stats and records and things like that that just blow your mind with Brady. But 
I thought that was incredible. I mean, if you tally up everybody else, Brady had 34 starting the weekend. Roethlisberger, Rodgers, Mahomes have 30 between them. Then you add two from Allen, two from Jimmy G, two from Tannehill, one from Prescott. That's 37. So he was within three of all the other quarterbacks in playoff wins. Just absolutely nutty to me. And the NFL All-Pro team was announced. Uh, There were five unanimous choices. Cooper Cup from the Rams, Devontae Adams from the Packers, Jonathan Taylor from the Colts, T.J. Watt from the Steelers, and Aaron Donald from the Rams were all unanimous picks. Uh, I was a little surprised to see that Rodgers got first-team quarterback with kind of him taking a flamethrower to the lot of the beliefs and and thoughts of you know the people shared in the the news media. So the first team, uh, full first team is. Rodgers at quarterback, Taylor at running back, Mark Andrews tight end, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel at wide receiver, Trent Williams left tackle, right tackle Tristan Wirfs, left guard Joel Bentinho, right guard Zach Martin, center tra- Jason Kelsey rather. Defense, you have your edge rushers, TJ Watt and Miles Garrett, interior linemen, Aaron Donald, Cameron Hayward, linebackers, Micah Parsons, Penn State guy had a great year. Uh, Darius Leonard from Indianapolis. Devondre Campbell from Green Bay is a guy who got no publicity this entire year. His publicity throughout the entire year would be Troy Aikman saying, man, after his first tackle of the game, Troy Aikman go, man, Devondre Campbell's had a great year. And then you'd never hear about him again for the rest of the game. So really cool to see a guy that didn't get the pub get uh, get the acknowledgement here. Uh, cornerbacks, Trayvon Diggs and Jalen Ramsey. Safeties, Kevin Byard and Jordan Poyer. Special teams for the brand, Justin Tucker, probably the greatest kicker ever. Punter, A.J. Cole. Kick returner, Braxton Berrios. Punt returner, Devin DuVernay. Special teamer, J.T. Gray. Long snapper, Luke Rhodes. So that wraps that up. Okay, changing lanes a little bit. We're going to talk some golf. This weekend, we had the first full field event of 2022, the Sony Open, and it ended in a playoff, and your winner, Hideki Matsuyama, after shooting Saturday and Sunday rounds of 63, 263s on the weekend, wins in a playoff over Russell Henley, who shot 65 on Sunday, but kind of faltered coming down the stretch, uh, opened with the opening front nine, 29, but finished with a one over 36, no birdies on the back nine after shooting 29 out front, one bogey, one over 36, he shoots 65, has a birdie putt on the last to win it. Couldn't make it. So we go to a playoff. Henley had a little issues, but man, Hideki did not. He knocked one to two feet, eight inches from 277 yards out. That shot was just an absolute laser. It never left the pin. It's one of those be as good as you look, be the right one today kind of shots. And, man, just an incredible shot. I mean, just to think of it, just stop 277 yards out from the pin next time you're on a golf course and think about hitting one to two feet, eight inches. Most people don't even putt those that just play golf casually. You just pick that one up and move on. So that was an incredible shot, an incredible weekend for Medecki. The guy can play. He can get it going sometimes. And maybe winning the uh, the Masters is going to be a little bit of a, opening the floodgates for him. We'll see how his season turns out. 
couple other thoughts from the weekend. Kevin Nash on opening round 62. That was his 11th round of 62 or better on the PGA Tour. And that is the most of any tour player, 62 rounds of 62 or better since 1983. Other people joining um, Kevin Na on that list, some surprising, some not. Uh, some not surprising ones, Justin Thomas, he's done it nine times, too shy of Kevin Nod's 11. Tiger Woods also done it nine times. Neither of those two surprising. Tiger, obviously, probably the greatest player ever play. Justin Thomas has an ability to take it deep, like maybe nobody else on tour currently, outside of apparently Kevin Na. Uh, Jim Furyk's on there, not super surprised. The next set of guys who all have eight. Scott Piercy, Ryan Palmer, Zach Johnson, and Hunter Mahan, who hasn't really been on tour in a few years, all also have eight. So those ones were a little surprising, but that's a pretty interesting list that Kevin Na finds himself at the top of. And the uh, the other thing of note from the weekend was the Kevin Na, Grayson Murray little Twitter feud. Chantel McCabe had tweeted that Kevin Na walking in putts does not get old. Grayson Murray quote tweets and says, Kevin Na taking three minutes to putt them does get old. Kevin Na was not going to take that lane down. He chirps back, you missing the cut is getting old. And while I tend to agree with Grayson Murray here, he should probably go in a little bit of a witness protection program because Kevin Na just buried him on that one. So Kevin Na takes the lead of, uh, expands his lead of most rounds of 62 or better and absolutely murders Grayson Murray in the same weekend. Changing gears once again, we're going to talk some hockey now. Uh, this is going to be my weekly Flyers update and talk about the games that have happened in the past week or past time since our last podcast. As noted uh, in that preview episode, I am a moron when it comes to hockey. Just remember, hockey, all walls, moron. So Thursday night, I'm riding high. I've released the inaugural episode of Old Walls House eat some dinner, I come, turn on the Flyers game, they're playing the Boston Bruins, I turn it on six minutes into the game, I'm a little late getting there, they're already down 2 nothing. They're already down 2 nothing. Again, not a big hockey brain here, but you can't be giving up two goals in six minutes and expect to win. They did end up battling back, got it to 2-2 in the second, ended up losing 3-2 in the long run. Just, you know, stacking on the losses this year. They opened the season with such promise, and then they must have realized that I was a fan now, so they wanted to figure that out and crush my soul a little bit more. And then on the 15th, Saturday night, playing the Rangers, they go up 2-1 in the third. Both scored a goal in the first, scoreless second, 2-1 in the third, 30 seconds later, 30 seconds, the Rangers tied it back up 2-2. And then three minutes after that, the Rangers take the, the lead for good and go up 3-2. It's like these guys just know how to lose games. It's impressive. And, you know, you get your hopes up with a couple of goals, and then they just give it right back real fast, real fast. So there's the Flyers update for this week. So on to the non-sports-related section of Old Wall's house here. Recently had COVID. Went to, uh, went to a wedding, probably got it there. It was a uh, vaccine-mandated wedding, by the way, so there's that. But so recently had COVID, was locked in the house for a while. Uh, as soon as we get out, we decide we're going to Shake Shack. Uh, I had Shake Shack once in an airport. I don't think you can really count that. The roommates never had Shake Shack. So, man, Shake Shack. What a first Shake Shack experience we had. I went with two Shack burgers, uh, one with bacon, one without. Wanted to try it both ways. She got the Smoke Shack, uh, had some fries, 
Both got um, milkshakes. Man, was that good. Uh, I've been a big man on the, uh, the In-N-Out bandwagon. I would like to be able to eat In-N-Out and Shake Shack kind of close to each other. Because that Shake Shack burger was really good. It, it, it's the first like true fast food burger, burger. And I think you have to throw five guys out of this at this point. I mean, you pay $25 to get a burger, fries, and a drink at Five Guys. I don't think that's even remotely comparable to, to Shake Shack in and out anymore. And it's the first time in a long time I felt a burger could compete with in and out So I'd love to eat them like back-to-back. Obviously, that's very hard. Um, all in and outs are on the West Coast, but man, I, I it it's it's up there. The roommate kind of was hinting that she thinks it's better, so it was nice that uh, we got a great first meal back out in the world after being locked away in <clears throat> in COVID lockdown. Couple other thoughts: um, we are watching. I mentioned we are watching every James Bond movie. We are through. 15 or 16 now we've watched every sean connery every roger moore we just watched the two timothy dalton ones we actually called it quits about three quarters of the way through the second timothy dalton and then watched uh the first pierce brosnan one goldeneye so been a lot of fun bond movies are fun some of them are a drag but they did uh goldeneye did spawn probably the greatest video game ever so i always love watching that movie um Another thing that happened this weekend, the VAX mandate hit the uh, Supreme Court and got shut down partially. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> another politics-related one, Kamala Harris had maybe my favorite quote of all time. When guy asked if they should change their strategy on COVID, she said, It is time for us to do what we've been doing, and that time is every day. My God, do I love that quote. That's incredible. Um, what else am I watching? I'm going to kind of always talk about that, too. Cobra Kai's back. Uh, that's my that's one of my treadmill shows. I like to watch a uh, a show when I'm running on the treadmill. So haven't been doing that the last couple weeks from COVID lockdown, but I was halfway through an episode uh, before I hit the COVID lockdown. So excited for Cobra Kai. Uh, a couple other good shows that are going to be coming back. Ozarks, I think February. There's going to be a new ep- new season of Jack Ryan, and I'm really excited for the new Jack Reacher show on Amazon Prime. I've read three or four of the Jack Reacher books. Really enjoy him. Uh, Tom Cruise was just the wrong guy to play Jack Reacher. He's supposed to be like 6'5", 275, and Tom Cruise is obviously a midget. So we'll see how that turns out. Excited to see it. The only catch is the guy that plays Jack Reacher is, uh, I think it was his name was Thad Castle in Blue Mountain State, who was just a total jerk-off. Uh, but we'll see if, he can, if I can get that out of my head when I'm watching it. So that, uh, that pretty much wraps it up here. And I just want to, again, say thank you to everybody who listened to the first week. If you're listening to this and you made it all the way to the end, thank you so much. Going to be back again next week. Uh, Probably that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday range again. Definitely by Wednesday at the latest. Going to cover the divisional round. See what we have there. Touch on the matchups for the conference championships. Golf, there's the American Express next week. I don't know what that field looks like, but we're going to touch on it regardless and anything else that comes up. So, once again, thank you so much. Your main man, Old Walls, here in Old Walls House, Episode 2. See you next week.